We're going to talk about spiritual warfare today. This is an important, important thing. In Western culture, it's hard to even think in the categories we're going to talk about today. Because we're taught to think in a secular, atheistic way. That we only look at the empirical evidence and that's all there is. So what you see is all there is. Now as Christians, you cannot have a healthy theology, you cannot have a healthy understanding of God, even a healthy understanding of following Jesus, if you don't understand that you're going up against spiritual warfare. That you don't understand that God made both the, the visible and the invisible, the physical and the spiritual. That's an intricate part of our belief system. Intricate. When you read the Gospels, you hear about Jesus constantly confronting demonic activity. Now, we can't do like Thomas Jefferson and go to those parts. And what Thomas Jefferson said, okay, I want to believe the parts I want to believe, but I'm cutting out all the supernatural stuff. See ya. There's about five pages left in the Bible. We have to make sure mentally we're not cutting out the spiritual. You know, I always refer to the movie Jaws because it messed up my life. It really messed up my life. I watched it way too young. You don't have your kids watching Jaws at a young age. I'm just starting to enjoy the ocean. I was on vacation. I only thought of a shark once because the frisbee went too far. And my hidden law is you're never the furthest person out, right? When you look down that beach line, you better be in a little bit, you know? So I was the furthest person out and I started bugging, just kind of ran in. So the movie Jaws is stupid. Do you know why it's stupid? Because it should have been two scenes in this movie. One person should have went down. You shouldn't drink and swim, right? A scene where a shark eats somebody and a scene where the mayor says, nobody's going in the ocean till we kill this shark. Two scenes, right? But instead the mayor was like, no, it's going to hurt business. So we're not going to tell anyone there's a shark in the water. So people totally unaware, jumping around, having fun, throwing the frisbee, and the shark is eating people. That's what happens in spiritual warfare. Pastors are afraid to tell you that you have an enemy they're afraid to tell you that there's demons and Satan because everyone wants to be the practical church. This church is very practical. They don't talk about scary stuff. We want to be practical so we don't want people telling their friends, they taught us that Satan in church? We don't want that. So people are absolutely unaware. They get in battle sometimes demonically, not even knowing. And we'll get to that and we'll unpack that a little bit. But they're battling systems of Satan, and they're battling sometimes demonic lies, and they don't even know how to fight because they're totally unaware of that. I don't want you at Restoration Road to be unaware of the spiritual world. I want you to be aware that you have an enemy. I want you to be aware that you have weapons to combat that enemy. I want you to be aware that Jesus defeated Satan, and the gospel has made you victorious, and you can walk in that today. So let's turn to Ephesians. We're going to read Ephesians 6. 10 through 19. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the, against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day 
and having done all to stand firm, stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. That's the word of God. That's Paul, when we're finishing up this book of Ephesians, saying the followers of Jesus, don't be deceived. You're not wrestling against flesh. You're not wrestling against humanity. You're wrestling against principalities and powers and rulers of this present age, to be very aware of that. So we want to just kind of lay a, a basic, simple foundation of why we believe in demons, right? So some, we know no one made this up about a year ago, and we had to stop preaching about it. When God created the heavens and the earth, what does it say? It does not say he only created the earth and only created us in his image. That was part of creation. But it says he made all the heavenly hosts, meaning angels, right? He made all the angels. And the angels' purpose was and is they worship God continually. When you see visions in the Bible of heaven and, and God's throne, you see that there's angels who their main purpose in existing is they worship before the throne of God for all eternity, crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And you see them divided into different ranks or different titles, seraphim and cherubim and living creatures. But their main purpose for being created was they're before the throne of God crying out, holy, holy, holy. And as we pass from this life to the next, we'll see angels worshiping God and we'll join in that worship, in that purpose of worshiping God. You'll see throughout the Bible that they participated in the mission of God. So God would send messenger angels. We see three angels really named in Scripture. We see Satan, who is Lucifer. We see Michael, and we see Gabriel. We see they're bringing messages. They're um, sometimes waging war, bringing judgment of God. But we see that it is really part of what's going on throughout the redemptive, redemptive history, that angels are an intricate part. Now, of course, there's a prominent angel who has fallen, and that is Satan. So basically, I just want to give you this working definition of an angel so we can have this in our minds. Wayne Grudem gives this in a helpful, simple way. Angels are created spiritual beings with moral judgment and high intelligence, but without physical bodies. So we can use that for our working definition for angels. And we go to the Word of God, and we can find a foundation there for that belief. They're really, even though they can be numbered, the way the scriptures explain them, it's almost they're innumerable. It's hard to count how many angels there are. But a portion of them fell with, fell with Lucifer. And you hear Jesus say in his earthly ministry, I saw Lucifer fall from heaven like a lightning bolt. He was cast out because of his, and I'm paraphrasing here, he was cast out because of his rebellion. What Lucifer said, this spiritual being made to glorify God, he was the original sinner. Some people wrongly say Adam was the original sinner. No, Lucifer was the original sinner. Adam followed Lucifer in rebelling against God. What Lucifer said is, I'm not content with being a worshiper of God. I'm not content with just glorifying God. 
I'm not content waking up every day and this is my sole purpose. Say, holy, holy is the Lord. I want to be God. I want to be in the place on that throne and worshipped in that manner. I want to be the authority. I want to be the all in all. So Lucifer was cast out of heaven. And we see him even from the beginning of the Bible. He was the one there present in the garden. And he begins his schemes right away, doesn't he? Did God really say this? I'm telling you, this is the first thing I want you to hear in spiritual warfare. Spiritual four, did God really say that? Can I do this? Can I act this way? Can I treat this person? Can I do this? But did God really say that? That's what the enemy does for you. That's one of his schemes. He'll get you thinking contrary to the word of God. You'll look in there and say, this is the word of God. But he says, does that really mean that? That's a scheme of the enemy. And schemes are very practical. I want you guys to hear this because we hyper-spiritualize spiritual warfare. So we even fall in two categories. Hyper-spiritualize it like we watch The Exorcist. Unless uh, that crazy, unless my head's turning around, there's no spiritual warfare. Right? When I do a 360 with my head, that's spiritual warfare. Or we under-spiritualize spiritual warfare. Like there's nothing going on. The only time Satan really attacks someone, he did that in the Gospels, right? Jesus was a heavy hitter. He's the son of God. So of course Satan's attacking him. So we under-spiritualize spiritual warfare. What I want you to understand, and you see this in the book of Ephesians, you see that this should blow your mind. The way Paul thinks, he said, don't let the sun go down on your anger because you're giving way to Satan. Hold on, what are you talking about? Me holding my anger can give ways to Satan to work in my life and destroy things and divide things and be destructive? That's not the way I was taught spiritual warfare. I want you to start seeing that category. It's very practical ways. Now, we need to have a balance here. Sometimes you ate too late, and you wake up because you ate a sausage sandwich at 1130 at night, and you're not going through spiritual warfare. Sometimes we're just sinners, and we want to do things. That's battling against the flesh. That's not spiritual. But the Holy Spirit can and will teach you what is spiritual and what is of other things. He will teach us. That's what he does. He comforts us. But I want us to be aware of that. One of the most powerful times we see spiritual warfare is in Matthew 16. Jesus is telling his disciples, all his disciples, he's saying, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be suffer. I'm going to suffer and I'm going to be crucified. Peter hears this news and says, Jesus, I need to talk to you on the side. Come over here. I just got out of the video way and Dave's going to be mad at me. He says, come over here i got to talk to you about all this crazy talk. Be far from you, Jesus, to suffer and die for us. What is Jesus? Anyone remember what Jesus says to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. Now, I don't know. If you were Peter, I'd be looking behind me like it's all. I'm thinking practically here. I'm for you. I'm with you. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance. Know why? Jesus understood that his battle wasn't against flesh and blood, but it was against principalities and powers and Satan and demonic forces. He understood that. Imagine, now I want you to really just take this and think through this. Imagine if Jesus took Peter's advice. And he said, you know what, Pete? Er, I don't want to call him Pete. You might be right. Why do I have to go to the cross? 
I'm the son of God. There'd be no salvation and redemption for any one of us. Do you understand? If he gave in to that quote-unquote practical thinking, the gospel would have not been accomplished. Satan would not have been defeated. So Jesus had to come cold-like and had to say, get behind me, Satan. That's the worst lie I could ever adopt, that I don't have to go to that cross to die for the sins of the world. Get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance. I'm going to that cross to save all humanity. Do you guys see spiritual warfare there? This is huge. Now, I want to bring it to everyday life because we don't understand it's everyday life. The battle is in the mind. It's in the mind. If Satan, like Satan has, he's called the God of this world in scriptures. Now, that doesn't mean he's sovereign and omnipotent and omniscient like God. But it means that he's the God of the philosophies against God. He's the God of the education system when it teaches against God. He's the God of lies and deceits and schemes and anything else that gets you to live your life for anything other than the glory of God. And people get caught up in these systems of lies and caught up in these philosophies and caught up in these schemes. And know what happens? Know what spiritual warfare does to you? It takes you off the path of God and it makes you absolutely unfruitful as a follower of Jesus. Absolutely unfruitful. So I'm going to give like something that's an everyday case for you guys to understand it. There was this, um, there was this woman. She wanted to date this guy. He was an unbeliever. He was an unbeliever. And what does scripture say blatantly? Don't date unbelievers. Don't do it. Like, there's no gray area. But does the Bible really say that? Yes. It really says that. It says don't date unbelievers. But what happened was, the mom was like, he's kind of a good guy. He works 40 hours a week. And she began to say, you know what? I'm going to talk to my friends and see what they have to say. All of her friends who were part of church, all churchgoers said, oh, if he's a good guy, that doesn't matter. Just go with him. Now, I'm not saying there was a demon there whispering like, date that guy, date that guy. No. But I'm saying that's a system and a lie that people have adopted, that Satan has passed out from the top to the bottom, that people accepted, that made that person, do you know the pain that person went through? When she dated that guy, married that guy, divorced that guy. That made 10 years of her life absolutely unfruitful and she was off the path of God. You guys hear me with that? See how one thought, one way did the Bible really say that, can get you off the path for 10 years? God's grace is still there. He still loves you, but Satan can make you absolutely unfruitful. And he uses the same schemes. Let's get in a little deeper here. Let's go a little deeper. That was a light. That's uh, featherweight right there. Let's go a little deeper. Let's go to Welter. No, this might be heavy. He will use the same lies to stall you, to paralyze you, to keep you at bay. So you are absolutely unfruitful and not part of the church and not going forward and advancing the gospel. I want you, you know what they do when someone has to um, identify what's counterfeit money and what's not counterfeit money? I, I saw a guy present this this weekend. It was awesome. When you're someone who has to identify if it's real cash or if it's counterfeit, you don't study the counterfeit. They don't give you a bunch of counterfeit bills. Here, these are a bunch of wrong bills. Learn what they look like. They say, this is the real thing. This is what real cash looks like. This is what you look for. And if other cash comes in, you know it's not real. It has no value. Okay? It's the same with spiritual warfare. The difference between gospel thoughts and demonic thoughts are totally different. And we need to learn to identify what is the gospel, what is the word of God, what is truth, 
So when foreign things come in there, we throw them out and say, this is not the word of God. Isn't that what Jesus did? I mean, Satan came at Jesus with scripture, twisting it up. Look and look, this is scripture. Just do this. And God, he said, no, this is the word of God. He knew what was real, so we can identify the counterfeit. So I want us to get start thinking like that. So I want to share a few scriptures with you so you see the real cash. And then I want you to, um, the lies that kind of go with them. I just want to share some common lies that sometimes are spiritual warfare that mess us up. So in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, it says this. In him you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it to the praise of his glory. So that's cash right there. That's the real thing. I need to learn to identify when the Holy Spirit came to live inside of me. When my soul was awakened to the truth of the gospel, I was sealed into the day of redemption. No one can rip me out of the hands of God. No one. You know what a common scheme of the enemy is? And some of you might have battled this in your mind. You've committed the unpardonable sin. You've blasphemed the Holy Spirit. You've been taken out of the will of God. He no longer loves you. He threw you out. Some people battle that every three months, every month. Did I commit the unpardonable sin? Did I blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Does God still love me? Is he for me? Know what you do? That's counterfeit. Because that's not theological sound. Throw that thing out. It's not worth anything. Satan can't use that against you. Demons can't use that against you. The system of this world can't use that against you. Because you say, the Holy Spirit has sealed me onto the day of the redemption. Does that make sense? Because the battlefield's in the mind. If Satan can confuse your mind, he can get you doing all kinds of things that aren't even sound theologically. The second one is, once again, this is in Ephesians. I just want to read you some real cash. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How many people have lost their salvation mentally 500 times in their life? Don't lose your salvation every day, please. You're not going to be a happy person. That's spiritual warfare right there. If Satan can convince you through his systems or even sometimes through demonic battle that you are no longer loved and purchased by God and the cross wasn't enough, you're going to be absolutely unfruitful. And even worse, teach theology that has everyone scared. Man, you're not saved anymore. I was good Wednesday through Friday. What'd you do? I'm telling you, that's what happens with spiritual warfare. Finally, Philippians 4.13. Let's keep it nice and short. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. There's people in here who are addicted to porn. You think you can never overcome it. There's people in here addicted to drugs and alcohol. You think you can never overcome it. There's people in here who are addicted to all kinds of things and have strongholds in all kinds of areas and you've believed the lie that you can never overcome it. I'm preaching truth right now because it got real quiet. There's quiet, then there's real quiet. Some of you have believed a lie that you cannot overcome. What do you do when that happens? Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Satan will get you to be defeated. I can't do this. I've always been weak in this area. He's just going to have to keep forgiving me and all this stuff and take me like this. No, you can be pure. You can be holy. You can be an overcomer through the blood of Jesus Christ. Spiritual warfare, you have to wage it. Do you guys hear me? You can overcome. You know how that Ash Ashley Madison thing came out? And I, I, fully, I still don't fully understand the whole how it works. But from what I understand it, it sets people up with extramarital affairs that I know just the broad kind of thing. 
Do you know that Massachusetts came in sixth place in the whole country of people who had accounts on Ashley Madison? You know where Wakefield came in? I'm talking, there's a lot of towns in the city of Wakefield, and we're only about 26 grand, so we're not that big. We came in 36th. Now, let me help you understand this percentage more. There are 5,500 married couples in Wakefield, married people in Wakefield. How many of them had accounts? Take a wild guess. 2,600. That's 50% of married people were having affairs through Ashley Madison in Wakefield. You want to talk about spiritual warfare? You want to talk about starting with porn, then making it physical? You want to talk about not understanding the holiness of marriage? You want to talk about people who let their guard down? It's happening right here. That's spiritual warfare. Satan wins when he gets us to have affairs on our spouses. He gets the W. So wouldn't he attack marriage? The Bible begins and ends with marriage. Why wouldn't he attack it? That's why. But they're not preaching that in these churches. No one's even aware of the spiritual warfare. Be on guard. You can overcome. You can overcome and you will overcome through the power of the gospel. Now let's get a little deeper here. Super heavy. So I don't want to go too much off a side road here, but I want to say a little something because I'm going to talk about a story about a cop. Restoration Road, if you're part of this church, respect cops not get caught up in all this hype. They deserve to be honored and respected. They're protecting and they're serving us. Be holy. Love them. When I hear a siren, I feel like my family's safe. It's only the robbers and the thieves and the criminals who don't like sirens. I always say that. Let's be a people who respect and honor our law enforcement. Moving on. Story about a cop. Because of all this foolishness that's going on, cops are now Afraid to use their weapons. Afraid. Because they don't want to become viral. They don't want to be put on social media. So this system created where everyone, they're afraid. They're afraid to protect us. They don't want to be identified wrongly. They don't want all this kind of stuff. So this man down, it was down in the south. He pulled over a guy for a routine traffic stop. The man attacked him. And this man was so afraid to pull out his weapon that he just let himself get knocked out. The guy took his weapon and pistol whipped him. Knocked him out. That's what happens to a lot of us in spiritual warfare. We get attacked by the enemy. We don't pull out our weapon. The enemy defeats us, pulls out the Bible, which should be our weapon. He pistol whips the Bible. Pistol whipped. What happens when you fall to sin? You start hearing scriptures in the wrong context, right? And they condemn you. Satan uses the word of God to condemn us after he's convinced us to sin against God. He pistol whips us with the weapon we should be using to overcome. Does that make sense to everyone? We need to be on guard. You've got to pull your weapon out. If you get attacked, pull your weapon out. Use your weapon to protect you, to protect your family, to protect your church. Now, some of us, and no one will ever talk about this, but I, it needs to be talked about. Some of us have experienced intense spiritual warfare to the point that we almost feel a demonic presence till we actually feel like we've even seen things demonically. Some of you won't admit it, but I've talked to many of you and you've had situations like that. Some of us, it's even gone as far as you've heard things. You've heard voices speaking to you. And you know what? It's such a, people are scared to talk about that stuff, so they never talk about it. But me as your pastor, I don't want you living in that kind of bondage. You know what I mean? I'm not telling them they're going to think I'm absolutely crazy. You will not believe how many people I counsel 
who have had spiritual warfare and they don't know how to categorize it and their lives are devastated and people tell them other things, this is how you do it, this is how you get better and they're getting defeated by the enemy. So I want to give you some ways to be on guard when it's intense spiritual warfare. Okay? The first thing is you got to understand you are not strong in your own power. It's not you who is fighting in your own power. You're fighting. He says, finally, what does Paul say? Be strong in the strength of the Lord. So if you feel an intense spiritual attack and the Holy Spirit has revealed to you that this is spiritual, this is not fleshly, this is not this, if you feel that, the first thing you need to know is I need to be on the defensive, God's on the offensive. What are all the weapons they talked about in Ephesians 6? None of them are offensive. The sword can go either way, but that's even for blocking, right? You got a breast, breastplate, you got a shield, you got a helmet. It's defes- defensive weaponry. Cause God is on the offensive. Secondly, you gotta understand that Satan was defeated at the cross. He's defeated. Jesus crushed the head of Satan. You've already won and you've got to walk in that victory. Thirdly, you've got to learn how to quote scripture when it's intense. So some of you might, I've heard of some of this and I've actually experienced some of this. You didn't eat too late. You went to bed nice and early. All of a sudden you wake up in the middle of the night and you feel like something's demonic's going on. Right? It's not just, okay, it's an anxious time. There's not, there's a lot of pressure going on. It's not this or that. You identify those things, right? Because we don't want to be hyper-spiritual and rebuking the microwave because our burrito's not done, right? You know? All those things go through and we realize this is a spiritual attack. You know, there's been times you've, I've felt paralyzed when that happens. It's not an everyday thing. It's usually when you're going forward big time, following the gospel, people's lives being changed. All of a sudden you're like, what's going on? Why am I getting attacked? Because you're fighting. Because <laughs> you're fighting. Quote scripture. For instance, if you wake up, it's an intense spirit of fear. And you say, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Don't be afraid to quote it twice. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Quote that scripture. What does it say? Resist the devil and he will flee. You've got to understand, when you're getting spiritually attacked, it cannot last forever unless you give into it. Do you know what I mean? It cannot last forever, but God will allow you to be tested to make sure you're leaning on him. And if you're going to be in a battle, you're going to get hit. So you've got to be ready to say, counteract it with scripture. So we say, we're strong in the Lord. We say, Christ is victorious. We say, quote scripture. Resist the devil because it can't last and it will pass. And there's, what I would encourage you is if you're going to rebuke, say, you know, you, I've heard some people have heard, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Right? When they're battling spiritually, when it's intense like that. What I would encourage you to do in scripture, what you see is even Michael the archangel, when he was battling Lucifer over the body of Moses, he didn't even say, I rebuke you. What did he say? The Lord rebukes you. And that's what I want us to hear today. If you're going to rebuke, say the Lord rebukes you. So when we're using all that kind of weaponry, you will be victorious. You will not be defeated. That's important to remember spiritual warfare. So I just want to give you a gospel assignment. And if anyone has any more questions they want to ask me, because this ain't an everyday subject, right? This isn't everyday. I would love to talk about you more if you have a trouble discerning. Um, if it's spiritual warfare, it's not spiritual warfare. Those are things you talk through. 
what I don't want you to be is unaware. And to be honest, I'm sure there's a, a large population even here today that you've already ad- identified some stuff and said, man, this spiritual warfare, and I'm glad we're talking about it, and I need to use the gospel of Jesus Christ to overcome it and live in victory. So this is your gospel assignment. There's been thoughts in your minds. I want you to go home and take an inventory and see what are the schemes of the enemy in your mind. What lie does he continually tell you that keeps you at bay? Some of you might, I sinned against God, he doesn't love me. And that comes up. Every time you're going forward, that comes up and that pulls you back. Maybe you've heard the lie that I can't overcome. I can never walk holy. I can't follow Jesus. I'm not worth it. I'm I'm a hypocrite. He'll never love me. Identify that lie. And I want you to write, write at least a few lies that are coming in your mind. Coming in your mind. And over them, write the scripture that combats it. Do you guys understand me? So when that comes in, that thought comes in. Because this is where the war is. When that thought comes in, you need to have that weapon of God's word to put right in there to distinguish and extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. This is so important. There are paranoid thoughts that are ruling some of you. Some of you had horrible things happen to you when you're younger and you don't feel clean. And you need to know that you are clean and God loves you. There's a lot of things in a lot of places where Satan gets a stronghold in there. I want you to know that the gospel is true. That Christ is, this, Christ is victorious and Satan is, Satan is defeated. Amen? Let's pray.